As always on a Tuesday, Carlos Alberto Diego can catch the four Diegos. Wednesday night, of course, at 11 o'clock after all the A-League games uh, this season, just uh, dissecting uh, whether our Melbourne teams win or lose. Good to see you, Carlos. How are you, mate? How are you going? Going okay. Plenty of talking points. Absolutely. And uh, you, know, you talk about all the A-League games. Of course, SEN are calling the home and away games this year, and we get to do the final whistle afterwards. So we're getting, we've are getting we sort of got a finger on the pulse of what Melbourne think, or at least all the <laughs> vocal supporters and the... The, the raw calls Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Isn't it fantastic? I get a touch of what uh, Finey gets with this <laughs> final siren uh, at the end of every AFL game, but uh, it's fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the game at the moment, not only here, but also overseas too. Absolutely. If you want to be a part of this uh, 40 minutes or so, 9429-1116, we are going to talk about the two Melbourne teams, obviously Ernie Merrick no longer over at Wellington and who the suitors are, and obviously a bit going on in the, the fallout of... Uh, Melbourne City and Brisbane on and off the pitch uh, last uh, last Saturday night. Yeah, of course, uh, it's it sort of ranges from the the dive, the simulation of Jade North, which he's come out and thankfully apologised for, saying it was really out of order and it was something that he's quite embarrassed about. Uh, to the you know to the enmity between the Aloisi brothers and the and the Melbourne City bench, including John Van Skip, even the leading the the week leading into it. It was festering at that point in time. And, uh, mm. and it's an interesting situation too, Brett. I mean, John Aloisi uh, played for Melbourne Hart yep. uh, and under John Van Skip. He did well. Uh, eight uh, or nine goals Absolutely. Last he, yeah, he did a fantastic job for them after having a sort of a so-and-so stint at Sydney FC once he got back from overseas mm. and, uh, and played under John Van Skip and then became a coach under John Van Skip and then took over. Melbourne Heart once John Van Skip moved overseas. So, uh, you know, really, he'd have a lot of friends there at Melbourne Heart. And given that, you know, his tenure ended at Melbourne Heart after 17 games where he didn't win a game, mm. uh, they sort of stuck by him when everyone thought he probably could, should have been sacked a bit earlier. So I'm not sure what, where the anger comes from, uh, whether it's something that is a remnant of his time there or whether it's genuinely coach versus coach yeah, and but, style of play versus style of play. So is it just the, the two gentlemen who have had maybe a slight falling out or is it, yeah, is, is it bigger? Is it an issue with the club? Well, it, I don't... Look, John Van Skip came back from overseas while John Aloisi was coach, especially yeah. in the latter part of his uh, stage there at Melbourne. But he took on that sort of what, technical yeah, like director technical role. director and I'm not sure whether John Aloisi somehow blames him for him being moved on. I would blame the results. Mm. <laughs> Not winning in 17 or 18 games. Yep. I think that uh, a lot of coaches get sacked a lot earlier than that. So I'm not sure whether there's something behind the scenes there, but certainly there's some genuine dislike right now. I, I think it's genuine. I'd like to throw it out to the listeners. Do you think it's real? Do you think it's authentic what's going on at the yep. moment? Because on the weekend, uh, when Jade North went down, all through the game, really, the, both benches were having a crack at each other. And I've never seen... John Van Skip so demonstrative as he was on the weekend. And, of course, uh, John Aloisi didn't hide some of the uh, abusive language that he was hurling back at the city bench at different times. So um, I think it's real. Uh, I kind of like it too, but at the same time, it could get a bit unseemly. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. if you want to weigh in. I think the, the involvement of John Van Skip is really interesting. I, when he first came here, obviously a new team, they were based out in Bandura, that we know they were uh, doing a pretty tough Melbourne heart. Only had what, about three office staff. And yeah. Uh, not the facilities and, and the backing they've certainly got now. And you, you can just sense in the last uh, 12 months or so, because he's become a little bit more edgy, a little bit more animated, that he knows that he's got to produce. Otherwise, uh, it's it's going to be curtains at some point. Mm. Whereas in those first couple of years, I suppose, there wasn't that expectation. A starting club, 
um, you know, bring your Dutch philosophy here, impart it on the players. But uh, he's certainly a bit more on edge now, a bit more testy, uh, John. Absolutely. And I think, you know, he's always been, I've always found him a gentleman. Whenever I've had a chat to him or whatever, whenever we've interviewed him on radio, he's always seemed to be a gentleman, a person who tries to educate as much as possible. He, he comes from a fantastic football foundation of his own. Uh, as a footballer himself, he was with the Dutch national team as one of the coaches, mm. uh, you know, uh, even before he came to Australia. So this guy is highly regarded, uh, has played with some of the greats of world football, especially at Ajax when he was there. Uh, Johan Cruyff is one of his mentors. Yep. I mean, this is you know, this guy's had a fantastic education and a guy that you know is quite happy to share that with whoever he comes across, uh, especially when, in the early days with Melbourne Heart. But you've seen this progressive as the pressure is built, as Melbourne City has come in the City Group, mm. spent a lot of money to, to buy not not a lot of money in their terms, but a lot of money in Australian terms to buy the Melbourne Heart Club. Now it's Melbourne City. I think uh, maybe. You know, the quiet pressure that comes with that, the expectation. And this year, he's been given the squad. He's got Tim Cahill. He's got Brandan. He's got Fornaroli, probably the best player in the competition at the moment. Uh, Jacobson. I mean, the the great players uh, who are now playing for this this club, Colazzo. So there's no excuses. So with that comes expectation and pressure. And I've never seen him so public with his, uh, you know, with his, uh, you know, dislike of someone in the game, and uh, so much so, apparently in the press conference late last week, hmm. he was he actually raised the issue of what John Elawisi had said yeah. uh, with the media. I mean, the media didn't even ask him the question. No, he actually he raised it, it and <laughs> actually basically informed them about what he had said. So he gave himself the actual avenue to be able to talk about that, which I found really, I don't think I've heard that ever before. No. You know, they usually leave those alone. So he obviously wanted to talk about it. Obviously, he's very, very angry, and that showed on the weekend too. I was just trying to think back. Mark Williams, when he was coaching Port Adelaide, used to actually start the press conference. (laughs) He wouldn't allow a question. He'd make a statement first and get everything out of the way, and then, uh, okay, there's a question, is there? It better be a good one. Uh, Frank and East Keeler, we're going to talk about both Melbourne teams, and uh, Frank, you want to talk about uh, Bessar Barisha? Yes, Bessar Two questions. Uh, what Kevin Muscat is doing with Melbourne Victory playing week in and week out, Berisha? Mate, against Perth, the pathetic. Week before that, exactly the same thing. Why does he get some young, young kids up the front down there? Well, Frank, you know, it's interesting. We, we did the, uh, the final whistle for two hours afterwards and we got wall-to-wall talk back and it was such it polarised the listeners really many of them were saying they should drop him uh, and just play a young kid and others were saying you're crazy to drop him I mean he scored on the weekend he's got you know five or six goals already this season Mm. he had a bit of a lean uh, lean run uh, prior to the weekend Uh, but uh, at the same time, he works hard all the time. He's, he's always in the game. He attracts the attention of, of the better defenders. Uh, so why would you drop him? And, and my question would be, Frank, if, if you did drop him, you'd want to drop him. A club like Victory is not there just to exist. They're no. there to win games. Yep. They're, the way, they're there to you know, you know, get into the finals and win the competition and win the grand final. Uh, you know, who do you replace him with that's going to score more goals? Really, and George Howard's the one that people will talk about. And George will be a great player down the track, but I'm not sure whether he could do a, a, a Barisha type of role. So the question I ask people who want to drop Barisha yeah. is, as a coach, who do you replace him with who mm. will do a better job? Not mm. just to fill in, but do a better job. Absolutely, and that goes across all uh, elite sporting teams, isn't it? I mean, I suppose an older 
player who's been there and done it, put the runs on the board as a, as a coach, you, you're weighing up, okay, he's maybe not going to have the impact that he once had and then that um, you know, minutes can then get determined. But I suppose what will go through the back of their mind, gee, if they're still capable of those moments of brilliance yep. in a game you know, where it's tough to score... And you've got to have um, you know, great execution and uh, great savvy out there. Uh, you, you don't want that player necessarily missing yeah. from your lineup. So it's, it's a difficult not, one. It's not that he's got older either. He's not got older. He's not. It's not like uh, he's, he's injured and he's, he's a crock or anything like that. Sometimes he plays without confidence. Yeah. Uh, but you know he'll still score his one goal every two or three games, mm. whether that's a penalty or whatever. This year he's had a few moments where people are thinking, oh, look, he's on the wane. Yep. But I just think he, if his work rate is up and he's still in there and he's troubling defenders, why would you drop him if there's no one better? It's not like they've got you know, another goal a game striker or a goal every two game striker on the bench. They don't have an Archie Thompson they can just throw in there. Mm. Uh, so I think you've got to stick with him, and he will come good. He's, he's one of the best ever imports we've ever had. Uh, he's a legend of Melbourne Victory and Mel- um, Brisbane Raw. There's no reason why he can't recapture that again. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. if you want to weigh in. Carlos Alberto Diego here. And I read today with uh, great interest because I chatted to Mark Rudin quite a bit <laughs> on uh, Sunday Sports Central, who's, uh, who gives us our A-League rep quite often. And uh, Ray Gatt writing in the Australian today, Carlos, former uh, Sydney FC star. Mark Rudin looming as the favourite to take over from Ernie Merrick at the Wellington Phoenix. Yeah, you just wonder, uh, look, by the way, if you're looking at all the possibilities that, of people or young coaches or coaches who might be able to, you know, take over from uh, Ernie there at Wellington, of course, he resigned on the weekend, uh, saying that basically he's got a great squad there, but he hasn't been able to get the best out of him, so he's stepping down for the good of the club. Uh, so now they're looking for a coach. And, uh, of course, Mark Gruden's been put forward. If you look at the Fox Sports websites, they've been pushing him forward as a as a, a front runner, and now Ray Gatt's doing the same thing. You wonder, and I, I love Ray Gatt, and I, I love what they do at Fox Sports, but you also got to look at what's been put out there and wonder how much of that yep. is a support That's for someone driven. that they like yeah. Yeah. and whether he is actually one of the front runners or not. Uh, will a Kiwi team uh, go for a, a rookie coach? And when I say a rookie coach, he's had a lot of years at the MPL level, but it, he's not proven at the A-League level or, or higher. So he's a young coach in that respect. Uh, will, will the Wellington Phoenix are under pressure now? They've spent a lot of money. Uh, you know, their crowds are down. They've only just... Uh, been approved, uh, you know, in the last couple of months, uh, a five-year extension, extension to yep. their license. Uh, will they go with a rookie coach or not? And that's a question I ask. Uh, of course, there's a lot of support with, for, uh, for him out in the media, but uh, you wonder how much that is real, or whether that's just someone who wants a bit of, a, he wants to give a bit of a leg up to Mark Rudin. Well, nine four two nine eleven sixteen. We can send through a text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And just before we went to smoke, I just want to just um, close out this discussion on on Mark Rudin. So if he was appointed, yep, as coach, even though we think you know we don't know where this is quite been driven from, but he's certainly been doing his apprenticeship up there in the MPL up in Sydney and had a great deal of success. What, what, what are The Mark Rudin you know, what, yep. what are the credentials he would bring well, to he, an A-League job? He's, a, he's a, a really good football thinker, got a great football mind on him. You can see that in his analysis on Fox Sports uh, with, the, with the boys up there on the weekends. Uh, uh, he is a man manager. He's a, man, like, he's a guy that's dealt with big personalities as a footballer himself. He's the captain of Sydney FC in the bling era where there's big personalities and he had to be the captain of those men. Mm. Uh, It's not easy uh, being successful at the MPL level, especially when you're getting a lot of uh, former A-League players coming down to play in your team who probably think they're a bit better than what they are, and you've got to deal with that. So if he's a great man manager 
And he is going to a place like Wellington that has now some really good footballers in that squad, experienced footballers, the Barbarouses, the Finklers of this world, Bonavaccia, these sort of players, Durante, they, don't to- they wouldn't tolerate or you know, suffer fools no. gladly. So uh, if he can go there, he's got guys, if you can bring them together, uh, pl- get them to play spirited football, uh, I think he's got the technical nous. Uh, and if they give him a chance to, it might work. Uh, but again, it's an unknown because he hasn't coached that level before. Well, there's a Spanish uh, name also in contention <laughs> yes. that you might pronounce a little bit better than I. But, of course, yes. Spanish coaches have had some success yeah. here in the A-League. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, Ramon uh, Tribu. Tri- Thank like, you very much. Yeah. That uh, sounds he, good. Yeah, well, I'm not sure whether I pronounced it correctly. But he, he's had a lot of success with Auckland City. He has, yeah. And Auckland City are a team that wins the, uh, the OFC. It's like their Champions Cup. Um, and it's um, it's like the Asia champ- and he, they qualified for the World Club Championship. So Auckland mm. City has been a club that's regularly qualified for the World Club Championships, and uh, he's taken their teams and got a couple of results here and there. They, they haven't gone far into the competition, but uh, that's probably where he, he's had his name. And if you want, if they want to be loyal to New Zealanders, like they did with Ricky Herbert a few years ago, uh, they might go with him. But uh, look, they're under pressure to you know to really be a, a proper football club that brings in the crowds if they want to stay in the A-League. Uh, again, I'm not sure where they'll go with a rookie coach either, so we'll have to wait and see. A word on Ernie. I mean, Callis, mm. we've worked at this station a long time, so we worked, we've both worked here uh, when Melbourne Victory started and had obviously the early success winning a couple of titles. But Ernie all, always polarised yeah. uh, the listeners. Um, he's obviously not made this stint work, but how do you look back on, I suppose, the impact of... Ernie Merrick on the A-League. And when we do sit back and reflect in time, yep. how much credit really goes to him in terms of the Melbourne victory success? And I suppose why you think it hasn't quite worked uh, this time, second time around as a coach in the A-League? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, Ernie Merrick is a really good coach. He's a really good coach. He knows his football. His life has been football. He was a VIS coach brought through a lot of young players who have gone on to become some of our greatest players during his time at the VIS, got the job at Victory when no one expected him to. He came out of a youth system and mm. Jeff Lord basically gave him the job. And for people who have been involved with football for a long time probably looked at them and that was underwhelming for them. Um, he hasn't always been liked because of the fact that they felt he shouldn't, been, he shouldn't have been that first Melbourne Victory coach, number one. And secondly... You know, he, he's had problems with the media before. I mean, really, uh, the club at that time used to you know, put the barriers up. It didn't want to talk to anyone. If they yep. did, it was on their terms. And, you know, so it's a bit of a rocky road with the media at different times. But what I've been, but he's a, a damn successful coach. I think he's coached more games than anyone else in the A-League. Yeah, 241. Yeah, right? yeah, so, wins. yeah. So this guy's got a real history. He's really liked by other coaches, mm. which tells you something too, privately, obviously, when they've spoken and stuff. And what's really impressed me this time which I didn't think Ernie would ever do, he stepped down. He resigned. And that's something that Ernie never, ever does. He'd fight tooth and nail yep. till you know, the, the inevitable happens, whether he stays or goes. For him to step down for the good of the club, that's something I've never seen him do before. So um, for me, that's his legacy. He's a damn good coach. He's obviously done it for the good of the club. He could have hung on there. He's got a contract, uh, probably getting paid really, really well and decide to walk away, in his words, for the good of the team. So 
you've got to admire him for that. Got to give him credit for that too. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen to join the discussion. Does he play? A part in, in football in another role, or he's, he's 63. So, whether mm. Ernie just says, Well, I'm done, I've had my time, and uh, edging towards uh, retirement, or I imagine because it, it's been in his blood for so many years, he'd yeah. probably still like to contribute in some way. Would there be a role for a, a, a guy like Ernie? Merrick? I reckon, I reckon a goal, a, a role that's not linked to winning and losing, uh, maybe at the FFA as a, as a support for some young coaches. Uh, you know, from all reports, those people who know him well think he's a fantastic guy and a guy who shares information and, and wants to educate others. And he's always been an educator. I think he's originally a PE teacher too. So uh, this guy's always wanted to share his knowledge. And I think the FFA or the FFV should look at him in a serious role where he's mentoring younger coaches. Uh, but look, it's up to him whether he wants to throw himself into the fire of another A-League job somewhere. Uh, with the expansion in a couple of years' time, there might be other jobs that uh, are coming. But even if he's not the coach, having him involved in those clubs, yep. well, I think would be a positive. Sydney, the pace setters, uh, 2-0 victors over Newcastle on the weekend. I suppose the question is, can they uh, sustain it knowing that City and Victory and the Raw, probably the best equipped teams sitting in underneath, are going to come uh, pretty hard. There's a lot of football to be played, so uh, too early to go. The early crow with Sydney, who uh, have yeah. always got it done in the, their history in the A League. Yeah, it's really interesting because I didn't rate them early, and but they haven't been, they haven't lost uh, except for the FFA Cup. Uh, they haven't lost at all uh, this year in the league, and they've got Melbourne City this Friday night. So that'll really test them because Melbourne City are on a real high. I think they passed their test on the weekend against Brisbane. Melbourne City. I thought there'd be a bit of a hangover after the FFA Cup final. Uh, but for them to, to get a, a one-all draw and, and probably should have won that game, uh, them going to Sydney on the weekend, they'd be really, really confident. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But uh, they are the real deal. Really hard to beat Sydney. And they've got some players who are game changers too. Bernie Yabini's now coming back from his injury and uh, he's going to be a really valuable player for them. And he's still on the bench. So I think they've got the depth. Graham Allen's got some resilience in that team. And uh, so, yeah, they, they obviously will be there towards the end, but whether they can beat Melbourne City this weekend remains to be seen. And an assessment on the victory. I mean, I did listen to the, the post-match there on, on Friday night, and they look, had a lot of opportunities to score uh, Melbourne, but it was pretty philosophical, uh, Kevin Musket. There's a long yeah. way to go. He knows his side has certainly uh, built uh, some winning form in the last few weeks after a bit of a sluggish start. Where, where do they sit in the mix of that uh, sort of top four. It, it's it's amazing, you know. We had two again. We had two hours of talk back after the game on the weekend, and uh, and half of them were really worried about how the team was going. The other half were saying we just played our best game for the year. I mean, this is how desperate, uh, d- disparate the the whole view is and the opinion is about uh, Melbourne victory. Yep. Personally, I think they're fine. Uh, in that they're not playing their best football, but they're third on the ladder at the moment. Okay, they're what six points uh, below? Uh, oh, sorry, more nine points below Sydney, but mm. they've got a game in hand too, so they can close that. It's still early in the season. Uh, I'm not concerned about victory at all, but I I do think that they still need someone in the middle of the park, uh, the the Gee Finkler type player who can probably stand on the ball, pick his passes, and really start feeding the Rojas's this world, Troisi's. Uh, Barisha, uh, whether it's Cal- uh, Ben Calfalara or Austin, yep. we just need that player that can link the back half with the forward half, and I don't think they've replaced that player yet. Could Adelaide do the remarkable <laughs> two years in a row? Stone motherless last. Yeah. Uh, after what eight games? It was the ninth game of both seasons where they've yeah. had a win, which well last year it propelled them. I think they've got to go to Suncorp to take on the Raw mm. uh, this yeah. week. Could, could they do it two years in a row, uh, Adelaide? Would, would you back against them? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> who would have thought they would have you know, done what they did last year? 
But I don't think they've got the squad to replicate that. Uh, you know, if you remember from that team, they had Goodwin, they had Mork, who was a, just a revelation once he left City and went over there. Mm. Uh, there was a few other players they've lost. They've lost a heap of players from last year. I just don't reckon they can do it. But they had a win on the weekend. They have been playing quite well. I was actually in Adelaide uh, watching them train last last week. Yep. And uh, their camp's really, you know, quite buoyant. And they're they're not they're certainly not a team that believe they should be second last. So, um, I don't know. Look, would you bet against them? I don't know. But I just don't think they've got the same squad and the ability to do what they did last year. But who knows? It'd be a fairy tale story. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been that, that sort of 12 months in sport. It might Those sort of stories might extend into uh, yeah. 2017. 94291116 if you want to uh, talk the Rambo card. Who are the genuine uh, contenders? Can you narrow it down? Hey, we were just mentioning a young man's name, Jackson Irvine. Yeah. And during the break, we were having a bit of a discussion. And I remember interviewing a very young Jackson Irvine here at SCM when he would have been maybe, what, 15, 16? I remember his family being here and he'd been given this opportunity, this opportunity of a lifetime <laughs> to head across to uh, Celtic. Yeah, look, this kid, and his family is in Victoria, so in Melbourne, so I'm not quite sure whether whether he was at Langwarren or Berwick or one of those clubs there mm. as a 15-year-old playing senior football. He's obviously had a lot of talent yeah. from a young age. Yep. Uh, was going over to Scotland for a holiday. He had family over there. And his coach here at his club, his junior coach or his senior coach, is saying, "Listen, I've got a friend over in Celtic. I'll, I'll organise a trial for <laughs> you if you want." Yeah. He goes, "Okay." Now so they organise this trial. He's there for three or four days and said, "Listen, we love you. We're going to sign you." I mean, that, that's how he got picked up by Celtic. Was in their system, captain their youth team, won things like the you know Scottish FA Youth Cup and all, mm. and uh, was really highly regarded. Just didn't quite crack it into that first team on a regular basis. So they loaned him out. Made his name at a place called Ross County. Ross County. Yeah, if you, if you Google Ross County, you'll be able to see this this, uh, this quaint little ground in this almost like a village, you know, uh, this this area of Ross County. And uh, and he had some great success for them, uh, playing regular football. You know, was Scottish Player of the yep. Month at different times. They won the League Cup, uh, and he was a main a mainstay of that team. Uh, and did so well that he was picked up by Burton Albion in the championship mm-hmm. in England. Mm-hmm. And so far this season, a team that's struggling a bit, just a bit, just above rele- relegation, playing as a deep lying midfield that scored seven goals already, scored again on the weekend. Yep. He's been picked up by uh, Ange Postecoglou, who's had him in the camp for uh, uh, Socceroos. Uh, it's a fantastic story. We got a chance to speak to him a, few, uh, a couple of months ago on the Diego's. Really level headed guy. Uh, who just loves his football, and he just seems like one of these guys. The higher he goes, the better he performs. He just he doesn't stagnate anywhere. You, you know, throw him a challenge, he mm. does really well. Mm. And I'm just thinking, him and we can talk about Tommy Rogic too, but he's one of these guys that could, in the next twelve to twenty four months, play EPL football for someone, get yep. picked up. And he's, how old he be now? Oh, he's early twenties. Yeah, he'd be early twenties right now. Flies. So yeah, he's a he's a guy that if he's playing. If he's playing EPL football before the age of 25, yeah. I think suddenly we've got ourselves uh, a regular EPL football I'm talking about with a decent to- decent team. Uh, suddenly we've got our, our next star almost. One we're uh, keeping a close eye, we'll come back and talk about Tommy Rogic. Uh, Brad in Port Melbourne, uh, good afternoon, Brad. How's it going, boys? Going well. Yeah, just from the start of the season, um, it's, it's quite funny how things happen now. Um, the start of the year, some people thought Brisbane mightn't have even got on the pitch, you know, financial troubles and that. And the start of the season's been terrific. I mean, they've, they've got a very good attacking, attacking, you know, front front four, five, um, and the same with Sydney as well. They've got got a very attacking, but they've pretty got got a pretty good 
defence. So at this point in time, you'd have to say Sydney and um, Brisbane are probably the two the two front runners. I know I know um, Melbourne City beat them last week, but um, yeah, I just, I just think Sydney and Brisbane are probably the two up the front at the moment. It's interesting you say that, Brad, because City, for me, a lot of people are talking about them playing the best football this year. Uh, they get, there's a bit of resilience about them. Um, they, they, you know, they don't fall apart like the previous incarnations of City and, and Hart before them. Uh, some real winning players in that side and, and players who who are fronting up and they want to win every week. I mean, I thought there would have been a hangover, as I said earlier, after the FFA Cup final. Mm. But that was a tough game on the weekend. They hung in there and they should have probably won that game. So I'm a bit surprised you, you talk about them uh, being uh, less, uh, having a less chance of winning anything before Brisbane. Uh, I think they're, they're up there. And I, I wouldn't discount victory at all uh, before Brisbane. I think Brisbane just, there's so much going on up there at the moment um, by way of, Training facilities and players not being paid and yep. all these rumblings in the background yeah. that you know they just can't keep on going and playing their best football that way. I think uh, it's Sydney for me, City and Victory. They're the three, and maybe West Sydney, West Sydney Wanderers uh, creeping in yeah, there a too. Statement for yeah. him uh, across uh, the week. On eleven sixteen, SEN, Melbourne's home of footy. Afternoons with Brett Phillips. For Volvo, get run-out prices on the entire Volvo model year 16 range. And Logical Staffing Solutions, hiring truck drivers for an immediate start. Logicalstaffing.com.au Well, he might have polarised a few people, Andy Merrick, but he's getting mm. a little bit of love on he the uh, SMS uh, today, having uh, signed off at Wellington. And well-deserved, yes. Uh, American absolute gun, on and off the field. Well done, Ernie. Definitely a man, not a mouse. That's from Dave from South Yarra. That's Moose. Yeah, that's right. Moose in Scottish. Uh, Tommy Rogic. Now, mm. this was a cracking goal on the weekend. In a, in a great game, Celtic v Motherwell, Motherwell yep. in the top flight of uh, Scottish uh, football. And uh, how's he going generally, uh, Tommy? Over there, give us a bit of an they update. They love him, Brit. They love him. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, uh, you know, a well-known manager from Liverpool, and also had a stint at, at Chelsea under Mourinho. I mean, this guy's a high-profile manager. Mm. He just loves this guy. And there's competition for places there at Celtic. He's getting regular game time, scoring goals in big games, big moments. Yep. And they just love him. Uh, they talk about his technique. They talk about his attitude. Uh, this guy is probably the, the next big thing for us. Uh, he's not showing it as much in our national team at the moment, but that might be the conditions he's, he's told to play in, the fact, the fact that we've got to break down teams of parking the bus in Asia during World Cup qualifiers. But when the game's open, and in a league like the Scottish League, which isn't its strongest, in, in, let's, let's be honest, it's not as strong as it used to be, mm. uh, but he is making a name in the right part of Europe, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if some clubs uh, will make a play for him for next year. There was a lot of talk about Arsenal uh, early in the off-season, in the prior off-season. Uh, but I, I worry about him going to a place like Arsenal because you don't want him not getting game time. Yeah. So then his next club has got to... He hasn't played a lot of football, would you believe, no. as a young guy. Yep. He got picked up quite late after playing futsal until he's about 15, 16, 17. Mm. And he started playing senior football quite late. And so he would he would probably not had a hundred games under his belt, uh, and, and the, now he's playing in Europe. So it's got a bit of presence, uh, absolutely. And the, the way he floats on that ground yeah. is just an innate technical brilliance that he's got. 
uh, and he's matching it with some really good footballers in Champions League there also um, in in uh, in Europe too. So uh, I'm really hoping his next club is a club that he can really blossom uh, in the EPL, but he's got to get game time. Don't go to a big club where you've just got to be warehoused and no one's going to hear from you. That really will stymie his uh, progression, I reckon. So Tommy Rogic, uh, Tommy Rogic as uh, someone says on the SMS, not probably the next best thing, yeah. uh, is our next best uh, big thing. There you go. Hope so. Uh, a lot of people mm. certainly in his uh, camp. But this weekend, uh, victory and uh, City, all eyes are going to be on uh, the two Melbourne teams. are playing away. Yeah, absolutely. Friday night, Sydney versus Melbourne City, a replay of the FFA Cup final. And, of course, Sydney want to, of course, get seek a bit of revenge. And City want to show that they're not uh, a team that uh, is happy with just winning a cup. They want to go on and win some more silverware. And, of course, uh, then we've got... Uh, uh, Melbourne victory against um, uh, the Wanderers. How big is that game on Saturday? Both those games, by the Making way, are, playing, are played at the Olympic Stadium because yeah. Coldplay's playing at Allianz. So they've uh, pushed them both on, the, which will be interesting. It's a 80,000 capacity or whatever it is, mm. and they'll probably get no more than 20 at each of those games. So I'm not sure what it's going to look like. But that might be a bit of a disadvantage to the Sydney teams because of, uh, you know, it's not going to be as loud. It's not going to be as intimidatory than what it would be in the smaller um, more rectangular stadiums. Hopefully. Mm. Hey, last word. Any sighting of uh, Sam Allardyce? <laughs> no. Do you know where he is? He'll pop up. He's a wheeler and dealer. He'll <laughs> pop up somewhere. Well, you've got to get Sam back <laughs> on the bench. No one chews gum. Better than Sam Allardyce. Thank you, Carlos. Thanks, mate. We'll catch you with the Diego's uh, during the week and, of course, the final whistle, as always, uh, dissecting Melbourne victory and also Melbourne City. Yep.